Yes, 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 people, welcome to a new episode of Echo Chamber, yo, this week we've got three films for you, but before we do that, let's take a look at the, uh, you know, top 15 films Streaming in the UK right now. So at number 15, we've got a beautiful day in the neighborhood. At number 14, we've got Joker. At number 13, it's Parasite. At number 12, we've got The Lighthouse. At number 11, it's Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. At number 10, it's Cats. At number 9, Frozen 2. At number 8, it's Little Women, the most recent version. At number 7, it's Jumanji, the next level. At number 6, it's Bad Boys for Life. At number five, Bloodshot. At number four, it's Onward. At number three, it's Doolittle. And number two, it's 1917. And at number one this week, Sonic the Hedgehog. All right, people. Um, yeah, let's uh, listen to a little bit of information before we get into this week's reviews. Okay, so fans of Japanese cinema, yo, you can rejoice because BFI Japan 2020 is now upon us. So, from the information on the website, it reads, In this major season, we spotlight Japanese filmmakers who have inspired admiration and fascination around the world. We have long carried a torch for Japanese film here at the BFI. Since the birth, the first BFI London Film Festival opened with Akira Kurosawa's Fawn of Blood in 1957, we've played a vital role in bringing the cinema of this culturally rich nation to UK audiences through our festivals, seasons, theoretical distribution, books, 
and video publishing. In this major season, we spotlight filmmakers who have inspired admiration and fascination around the world. We begin our story with Akira Kurosawa, and over the coming months, we'll present films from the golden age, a focus on Yasugira Uzu, New Wave Rebels, the visionary creations of anime, the Neverworlds of J-Horror, and so much more with archived rarities to contemporary works and cult classics. This landmark season will take place on the BFI Player. It started on the 11th of May and it will continue with new new online collections released each month and they expect to present it at the BFI South Bank and cinemas nationwide later on in the year. So yes, you'll be able to see stuff like Seven Samurai, Drunken Angel, Ran, Stray Dog. I mean, just classics like that. So yeah, if you're a fan, um, go check it out, right? So you'll be pleased to know you can get a free 14-day free trial of the BFI player. Um, and after that, it is $4.99 a month, but you can cancel whenever you want. And another thing that a lot of, you know, film fans may enjoy, um, you know, there will be a lot of exclusive introductions from Mark Commode. So, that is Japan 2020. It's on the BFI player right now, people. Go check it out. Okay, film fans, this will be of interest to you. Today, Cinema Showtime, an Indiegogo crowdfunding multimedia project designed to reunite film fans following the coronavirus lockdown, has launched. They will be working in partnership with Medi Cinema, the charity that brings the magic of film to hospitals. Cinema Showtime is a project that is looking forward to a time when re- restrictions are lifted and we can start going and doing what we love again, going to the pictures. It is looking forward to a time when we can watch rescheduled movies that we have been waiting to see for months on the big screen with our friends. The current guidelines suggest that we can expect to see cinemas reopen to the public from July the 4th. Perhaps that will be our own Independence Day. (laughs) What the Cinema Showtime project involves production and distribution of a free glossy magazine written by film experts and packed with the ultimate preview of every movie being released between November the 20th and August the 23rd. Sorry, that's November 2020 to August 2021. This will include the latest release dates, info, features, interviews, 
and more. Staging a one-off live event in a prominent London venue called Cinema Showtime Live that fans and contributors will be invited to attend. This will include a fan lottery with incredible prizes and money can't buy merchandise and experiences also creating an online site and newsletter that celebrates the return of cinema with up-to-the-minute news and information production unique and exclusive merchandise to tie in with the event and film releases and also 10% of all contributions and money raised will go to the charity MediCinema to assist with their work. The teams behind Cinema Showtime, Creative Path Group Limited, Strike Media Limited and My Film Club will be monitoring the latest coronavirus guidelines to ensure that what is planned will be sensible and time sensitive. The first glossy magazine is currently scheduled for October. As this proceeds, a number of major rescheduled movie releases for November onwards. These include No Time to Die, Black Widow, Soul, Free Guy, Peter Rabbit 2, Fast and the Furious 9, Top Gun Maverick, Coming to America 2, The Tomorrow War, Venom 2 and many more. Medi Cinema is a registered UK charity that builds and runs state-of-the-art cinemas in NHS hospitals which accommodate beds and medical equipment. They work to help improve patient well-being, resilience and recovery through the power of film and the shared cinema experience. Currently, their cinemas are suspended just like all regular cinemas across the country. Instead, they are providing a free movie channel for patients to access at their bedsides during the long periods of isolation that come with restricted visiting hours. We are raising money for them to keep these services running and to ensure their in-hospital cinemas can reopen when it is safe to do so. Um, The MediCinema CEO, Kat Mason, said, We all miss being able to go out to see a film with friends and for our NHS patients who are more isolated than ever and not able to visit our in-hospital cinemas. It is even harder. This is such a wonderful initiative. Uh, We are so grateful for Cinema Showtime support, which will help ensure that our cinemas will reopen and that patients can once again have a break from the wards and their conditions to do what used to feel normal to all of us. To go and watch a great film. Alright, so check out the links in this episode's information on how you can get involved with uh, Cinema Showtime. Great stuff. Okay, people. So now that's been uh, covered, let's get on with this week's film reviews. Cool. Sit back and enjoy.
Okay, so I've just watched Artemis Fowl, right? So the highly anticipated adaptation of um, Iron, or I think that's how you pronounce it, Iron Colfer's um, young adult books. You know, I, I think there's what eight books in the original series. Um, with Disney just commissioning another two um, Yeah, and so this film is meant to mm, Kind of bring the first two books together Okay, so it's directed by Kenneth Branagh Who also produced the film along with Judy Hofland. Uh The screenplay is by Connor McPherson and Hamish McCall um, And in the film we've got uh, Ferdia Shaw who plays Artemis Laura McDowell um, Sorry, McDonald even who plays Holly Short uh, Josh Gad who's um, He is playing Mulch Um Mulch Diggums uh, Then we've got Tamara Smart Who's Julia Butler We've got Nonzo Anozi Who's Domovio Butler Colin Farrell Who's Artemis Senior uh, Judy Dench Commander Julius Root Um yeah, they're the, uh, I guess, Nikish Patel, who's Foley, um, and probably Joshua Maguire, who's Br'er Cadogan. So they're our main players, as it were, right? And, hmm, who, who else? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say that's the main people. Um, but Harry's Zambaluskus is the cinematographer. And Patrick Dow handles the music. Okay, so the gist of the film is this. Um... Yeah, the film follows the journey of 12-year-old genius Artemis Fowl, a descendant of a long line of criminal masterminds, as he desperately tries to save his father, who has been kidnapped. In order to pay his ransom, Artemis must infiltrate an ancient underground civilization, the amazingly advanced world of fairies. And bring the kidnapper the Oculus, the fairy's most powerful and coveted magical device. To locate the elusive object, cunning Artemis concocts a dangerous plan, so dangerous that the ultimate he ultimately finds himself in a perilous war of wits with the all-powerful fairies. Yeah. So that is, yeah, that's the thing. Now, you know, 
I guess, you know, I'd heard about, I mean, I'd heard about the books a long time ago, uh, but yeah, I remember, um, like, information was coming out, mm, year before last, um, you know, posters, and I think there was a sneak preview trailer and all of this, right, uh, but then the film got pushed back, and then with Corona, it was like, oh, we're just going to put it straight onto Disney+, Plus. so it's just like, oh, what does that mean, you know what I mean, because it's kind of like, a lot of films got pushed back in the schedule, but then certain ones that went straight onto streaming services and the like, you're just like, oh, is that, you know, is that a comment on the quality of the film, right? So, yeah, it was, you know, when the film dropped, it was like, all right, let me give it a check. And, ha, well, you know, it it starts with that kind of, Storytelling device where you kind of start at the end and then it's just like, oh, yes. Well, we, we find ourselves in a predicament, don't we? But let me tell you what's really going on. And then in this retelling, we play out the actual story. And then the film finally comes full circle and we kind of find out what what the whole beginning part was about. So it's it's doing that, right? And um, we have Mulch Madigan kind of relating this thing. And so we're kind of you know we're first introduced introduced to uh, Artemis, um, like yeah. He's the super intelligent person, you know, he'll beat anyone at chess, he's a mastermind, he's more intelligent than anyone at school, you know, he, he, we pushed him through to university, but still he's too clever, you know, he's a genius, really trying to play up, hey, he is so smart, and then, you know, we see Colin Farrell as the dad and all of this, with a few little introductions to, you know, like Butler, um, so we have that, but then on the flip side, we were looking at the fairy kingdom, okay, so we've got, um, Holly Short, and we're kind of looking at her, um, we see, you know, Judy Dench, her character, and then we 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 kind of got like um, you know, mulch going to jail. So all of this is going on, but as these things are playing out, you're kind of like, okay, I see where this is going, you know, because we're we're playing with tropes that we have seen before. A lot of times. And also just devices to get characters into, you know, the positions you want them in. You know, so like nothing is overly, you know, original. But when we're in the, you know, the fairy kingdom, hey, we're seeing some kind of, you know, 
technology and stuff like that. So you're like, okay, that's that looks kind of interesting and all of that. I think one jarring thing is when we're looking at foal manor, it it doesn't look real. You know what I mean? It, what it looks like, the, the thing that kind of jumped to mind, I guess, when we, you know, we got the spanning shot kind of going around the outside of it and all of that. I'm kind of like, that looks like a model, like a miniature model that they're, they're kind of, you know, got the cameras on to make you think, oh, it's the actual thing. Or it's just re also with some real kind of hmm ropey CGI, but yeah. So we're we're having all of this, and when we finally get to the kidnapping kind of thing, like you know what's happening. Do you know what I mean? Like at that point, you're just like, okay. Yeah, obviously, what's going to happen next is this. So, we we have that go down. And then, you know, the story is able to really kick into gear. But, I, I think a big issue is... To, is the development, you know? Like, the whole development is a bit rushed. Because, you know, in our opening sequences, when we're seeing Artemis with his dad, Artemis and Artemis, as it were, just, ugh. Um, but you're kind of like, oh, yes, I'm telling you stories. I'm telling you this. And it's just like, ah. You know what I mean? It, it's too overt in the, this is going to play a part in the story as we go down the line. You know, so so we have that. So then when it's like, oh, I must enact a, a you know, a, a plan to try and find out what's going on. You you're kind of like, OK, but what we're seeing doesn't really make any sense because it is really poorly explained it's just a rush one like oh my dad used to read me these poems and so obviously the poems lead to oh here we go I mean it's like wait that doesn't make any sense but fine whatever I won't you know mm, we'll put that to a side and then we're getting characters introduced like so Butler's niece comes into play so we get that and then there's this you know overall plan to have uh you know the conversation as it were with um the fairies and you're just like okay so you've introduced this niece but what's the deal right what all we get is Ah, oh, you know, we need to um keep Artemis safe, so let's bring an expert in this and this and this, and someone that can understand the mind of a twelve-year-old. What better but another twelve-year-old? Ah, but that's it. It's just like, but who is she? Like, what's the drivers for her? Where's the um emotional connection, as it were? Because we don't get any real emotional connection with anyone. Which is odd, 
You know, it's kind of what they want you to think is, oh, missing dad, dead dad, you're connected now. You're going to feel emotions for these people because of these two things. Okay, boom, we don't have to do anything more. And it, yeah, it just feels a little bit lazy. You know what I mean? It's a little bit lazy on that front. Then the whole planning. And look, there's plenty of films where a lot's going on and it's not until the last moment or like, you know, certain instances that, oh, now this bit's revealed. And you're like, hmm, God damn it. Okay, like, um, you know, the great scene with um, the robbery in the Thomas Crown affair, right? The Pierce, let's go with the Pierce Bronson uh, version. That, ah, when it all plays out and you realise what's happening, it's just like, oh, fantastic, right? Or we have Kevin Spacey at the end of um, The Usual Spots. The, the usual buffer, the usual suspects, and um, he's telling them the story, but then you realize, oh my god, he just took things from around the room. He's wait, he's not limping. Oh my god, you know, that it's like you have to be very nuanced with how you play these things, and unfortunately, this isn't. Right? It it doesn't, you know, play a beat like that. Where those are, um, I guess, you know, you you think of, um, I don't know, whoever you might feel to be a great in that field. But like Meg White on the drums. You know what I mean? Just playing that uh you're like, oh that is sweet compared to you know someone that hasn't played the drums before and just going bang bang bang. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a big difference here. So we we have all of this. And yeah, the, the story just, it plods along, but yeah, there's no real development, right, there's, there's, we're just getting cold, boom, this is gonna happen, then this is gonna happen, and we're doing this, like, we get this bit, and he, he just says, oh, I'm wearing these glasses, so you can't, you know, mesmerize me, and then we just get a, oh, but my dad's dead, and he's just like, takes him off, and he's like, can I trust you, and it's just like, wait, 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 wait. shouldn't the, can I trust you, firstly, be said before the glasses come off, and we haven't, there's not been anything said for you to, you know, feel, oh, our relationship has changed, you know what I'm saying, like, there's another bit towards the end, and be like, oh, are we friends, and it's just like, wait, huh, wait, how does, how do you get from kidnapped to now, oh, we're friends, like, nothing has actually happened 
in this story, in what we are seeing for you to get to that place. So it's all very odd, right? It's all very odd. And so we have this all this whole thing played out, right? This whole thing with the fairies and Artemis, you know, to get this one thing kind of in play. That and we've gone through most of the film, really, by this point. And then it's just like, oh yeah. Right, the whole point is to do this. And so the last bit just seems all very rushed, you know, it's like, all just so rushed, and you're like, huh, oh, that's it, you know, like, that's it now, okay, fine, you know, like, it's just all of that just to really rush this end part, hmm, Alright, fine, if that's what you're going to do, you know, but it all seems a bit of a waste, it's all very anticlimactic, you know, we're, we're, we're getting these fight scenes thrown in for action, but the, but the whole fight scenes and the craziness, it just kind of feels like, look at this madcap action, there's you can't, you're not really able to follow it. It, it, they just want to make it fast to look crazy and zany, you know, it, it, like, it's not really following any sense as an actual fight scene, right, like, the things that are going down, you're just like, but why would you be, wait, what, like, what, what is going on here, you know, huh, and then, the last part of the big fight, Artemis, who we've been told constantly is this genius, puts himself in a situation that's just like, a, a moron would understand that that's not the optimal place to be, right, that's just not the optimal place to be, so this whole thing happens, this thing happens, which you're kind of like, Okay, in that situation, you're not just picking someone, but fine, you do that. And then they play this whole kind of thing out, which you're kind of thinking, all right, yeah, that's going to happen. But, like, I think a big problem with that scene is, at the very end, it's like, oh, oh, did I cry? And it's just like, no, you didn't cry. Oh, phew. And it's just like, wait, what? Why push that narrative? So that's a weird thing. Because we're always told that, oh, guys don't show their emotions and guys don't... So, But you've decided to push a narrative in a film that, yes, like, brave guys don't cry. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just like, there would be nothing wrong for that moment to have tears, and you kind of feel that there would be tears, considering everything that is going down, right, so it's all like, huh, and you also go, 
where's Julia? <laughs> you know, your Juliet even. Like, where the fuck is she? What? So yeah, it's an it's a very odd. It's a very odd scene. Makes no sense. And kind of well, it does sum up a lot of the film. Like a lack of emotion. You know? There's all these scenes which should warrant emotion and it's just not there. It's just not there. So we're getting these lines delivered and they just feel flat. They feel forced. It it just doesn't work. Like they want it to be funny, right? The the film is meant to be from what you're kind of getting, it's meant to be funny, it's meant to be zany, like, they're trying to make it all of these things, and it's just like, just tell a good story, just concentrate on that, right, concentrate on telling us a fun, good story, and it just falls down because of this over kind of complication of things, we got Judy Dench putting on this weird gruff accent and then throughout the film we're trying to be like oh they're Irish they're Irish like she, there's one point she gets out of a ship and she's like top of the morning to ya and it's just like oh oh why did you do that why was that thrown in it's just like Oh, that's clunky as hell. There is no need to do that, you know. And they, you know, what I mean, they want to throw these things in to remind you that oh, yes, we're playing on fairies and leprechauns. So, well, you have to remember we've got Irish people here, you know. Don't forget they're Irish. Like, there's another bit where she's like, get the. F- f- Four-leaf clover out of here. And it's just like... Oh, God, it's so clunky. You know what I mean? Like, get the four-leaf clover out of here. Come on, people. Really? We're really doing this. So, yeah, it's a weird film, right? It's a weird film, and there's a lot of things that just unanswered, you know, there's no kind of resolution to these point plots, like at Fall Manor, that whole kind of instance when you've got, um, hmm, well, let's just say, right, there is a thing with Commander Root, and, um, yeah, well, let's just say that. There's a thing with Commander Root, right? And that just goes away. Then at the very end of the film, yeah, it's just like, wait, but weren't you, what? Huh? Okay. And the beginning of the film, it's not uh, we. It's not answered. Like, the only thing we're told is, um, with, with the situation, um you know, with mulch, right, that's the only thing, but the the big thing isn't revealed, that why the, you know, the, 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 the papers are there, that's like 
that's never answered. Yo, know, it, it's just like, but why are they there? Huh? Yo, know, that's just wherever. <laughs> it's not answered. And then the whole Oculus thing, again, it's like, oh, you're holding it for safe keepings, but then, oh, now we're going to do this with it. Yeah, so it's a very odd film. An odd direction to the film. Just, yeah, odd pacing, odd choices on accents. <laughs> like, a lot of the performances, just bizarre. Bizarre performances, flat performances, you know. Artemis himself, you know, sure, and, he, and and McDonald, they're not, yeah, they don't really convey emotion well, and a lot of their lines, very flat, which, yeah, we'll say the same with Colin Farrell, you know, Judy Dench is chewing through the lines in a weird accent, and you've got Josh Gad, Really trying to be kooky as mulch, which, yeah, not really working. So, yeah, we've got all these weird things. And then the costume design for the fairies. Like, okay, are we kind of like, I don't know, weird cyclists? You know, it's just, yeah, there's a lot of odd decisions that have gone into it. Now, listen, right? I clearly am not the target audience here. Uh, you know, the, the 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 whole thing. It's a young adult book series, so usually, kind of young adult. We're looking at probably what eleven to sixteen, twelve to sixteen year olds, maybe kind of the thing, right? So I'm not the target audience. So, I would say, right, the way it's all playing out and the the feel of it and all of that, I'd, I'd imagine those that were fans of, you know, stuff like uh, the Percy Jackson series, like the Narnia films, um... Oh, yeah, I mean, just stuff kind of like that. Yo, I, I, I'd imagine a lot of the Pixar stuff, you know? Like, if you enjoyed that kind of fair, right? This, this is going to be you. You know, Spies in Disguise and, you know, those type of... Films and cartoons, I, I, you know, Wreck-It Ralph, all of that, you will probably enjoy this, you know, but yeah, it wasn't for me, it wasn't for me, the other, like, another thing I will point out, right, so Artemis Fowl, and especially in, I believe, the first few books, he is meant to be uh, a, a kind of... Evil, like kind of evil and anti-hero, that kind of thing. That really doesn't come out 
of this. Like, I think they've, they have him say it, but, yeah, it doesn't come out. And I think also, I, it probably should be noted, the casting, you know? Because when you, like, look at it and you see the character descriptions in the books, right? So, Holly, it, like, her character, it, it said that she's got nut-brown skin. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, nut-brown skin. So, it's not a little white girl. And the butler is, is meant to be, like... I don't know, of kind of an Asian descent. So, you know what I mean? It's just like, eh, like, what are you doing with this? Right? Okay, you you want to add diversity, you know, to the film. But just throwing people of colour into something isn't enough. And especially... When there's no character development. So you're looking at it and you're like. Oh you're. Are you clearly. Are you just here as a diversity hire. You know. Because Juliet. Just. Doesn't do anything. Like you know what I mean. We, we see her talking to Artemis a few times. But other than that. Like there's no development of that character. Right, it's it's a very odd situation. So yeah, we we've got her, and Butler again doesn't really do anything. So you know, you you want to make this whole diverse thing and blah blah blah, but then you don't. You have these people just as window dressing. You know, supposedly. Holly Short is a more of a player in the films, but in this, it is really just about Artemis, you know? So, yeah, I feel that needed to be said. But yes, look, as I said, if you are fans of those young adult type of things, then I think you will enjoy this, right? But, yeah, it's not... You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's not on that kind of Lord of the Rings intelligent storytelling uh, kind of point of view. Which is a shame. It is a shame. But it'll be interesting to see how it does. Uh, you know what I mean? To see if it, they, they come with a sequel. You know? Because there's eight, well, ten books now. So, yeah. I don't know, people check it out, hey, leave a comment, hit me up with a message, and let me know what you think, alright, so that's Artemis Fowl, people. Okay, so, it seemed fitting that, um, you know, I check out the Five Bloods this week, that's the new joint from Spike Lee, okay, so Lee directed it, uh, he produced it along with John Killick, Beatrix Levin, and Lloyd Levin. And Lee also adapted the script along with Kevin Wilmot. Uh, 
the interesting thing, right? The film was originally written. Hmm. Now, originally written. Yeah, there's a story to that. Okay, so it was originally written by Danny Bilson and Paul DeMay in 2013, but the story was. A lot different then, right? So the original story was it was still you know set in Vietnam, but this time it focused a group of white veterans, and they came back to modern Vietnam in search of their former squad leader, who in this story was alive. And um, I believe that that original, you know, original script was called The Last Tour. And they were trying to get Oliver Stone to direct it. Stone dropped out. And, um, yeah, the script found its way to Lee. And, uh, yeah, he changed it. And now we get The Five Bloods. Yeah. A, a very different film to uh, that original one. Okay, so the film is... It has got a pretty stellar cast. Right, so we've got Delroy Lindo as Paul. Jonathan Majors as Paul's son, David. Clark Peters as Otis. Norm Lewis as Eddie. Isaiah Whitlock as Melvin. Uh, Melanie Thierry as Hedy, Paul Walter Hooser as Simon, Jasper Pakonen as Seppo, Johnny Nugan as Vin Tran, um, Sandy Hoing Pham as Michon, uh, Jean Renault as Desroche. Uh, Van Veronica Nung as Hanoi Hanna. Yeah, it's a great cast, man. A great cast. Oh, and oh, yep. Yeah. Y Lan as Tian Lu, who is Michon's mother. And uh, yeah, we cannot forget Chadwick Boson. Who uh, plays Storm and Norman Right, so yes It's a great cast and all of that Now the story Story revolves around this Okay, so During the Vietnam War A squad of U US Army soldiers Of the 1st Infantry Division Including five African American men Paul, Otis, Eddie, Melvin And their squad leader Storm and Norman, you know, who dubs them the Bloods, well, they secure a site of a CIA airplane crash and recover its cargo, a locker of gold bars intended as payment for the Lao people for their help fighting the Viet Cong. But Norman, you know, he thinks to himself, you know what? 
because of the poor treatment of African Americans by the United States government throughout history, they should take that gold and um, bury it so they can give it to the people as reparations. Right? But because, hey, you know what I mean? There's a lot happening in now back then. Right, there was constant strikes, you know, bad weather, so their original markings went. So now jump to modern day, right? So, uh, you know, Paul, Otis, Melvin, Eddie, hey, they come back to Nam. They come back, you know. In search of their fallen squad leader And for the gold that they buried So yeah, that's a story And it's not a bad story And what we have here So Lee uses There's a lot of archival footage Right? There's a lot of archival footage used Um, So we see like Muhammad Ali We see Martin Luther King Um, There's a shot of Malcolm So we get this footage And it helps to You know Set the tone of what was happening at that time Right And then we get these flashback scenes Which they Kind of you know, show like it was shot in 16mm So the di- the diameters of the picture shrink Right, and we get the black bars on the side of the screen So he uses these kind of different Different tools To tell this story, right And, and give us context of the situation Which, you know we don't usually see Right, because Back then, just think When the Vietnam War started in the 60s Yeah It, you know There was no hey, If we think You know, equality is Fucked now Right, we think it's Shit now Trust me, it was A lot worse then You know like Malcolm and Martin were marching Trying to You know Bring about change So All of this is going on You know And You know Black people weren't treated well But They were still Forced For the most part Right Yeah of course People did Sign up to come But You're mainly forced to go to fight this war And that was the big thing about Muhammad Ali Saying, no, I'm not going Right? They threw him in freaking prison So this is the thing, right? You had black people subjugated back home But forced to go to war And while they're in war You know what I mean? It gets worse back home Gets worse back home But they don't know They don't know And 
you know, the Vietnamese realised this. And so, you know, as propaganda, they had, um, you know, the message put out there, right? So, Hanoi Hana told people over, you know, the airways, I, you know what I mean, put these messages out to try and cause dissension, which is an interesting thing that yeah, we don't see, we don't really get, you know, told about this, I've read about it in the past, but it's like, it's easily forgotten, right, because you never see it anywhere else. So all of this is going on. So this is our backdrop, right? So now you know modern day. They're uh, yeah, they're old. They're in their sixties, right? They're in their sixties, and they're going back on paper to retrieve Norman's body and bring him home for a proper burial, which they do intend to do. But also, they want to find that gold. Right, so that's the big thing, and there are other things. You know, I mean, there are other things about that journey, um, right? So, especially for Otis, you know, he he's got other things he needs to do while there, and Paul, his son, turns up, David, so. Now we have all of these kind of things happening Um, And before they go on this mission David meets Hedy Who She runs an organisation called LAM Uh, I forget what the acronyms stand for But essentially they're all about Finding and deactivating landmines Right, so you have this and so they're going on this mission, right, to find Norman's body and to retrieve the gold. But there are, you know, there are these other elements that are, you know, playing on them, right? These other things that are troubling them on this journey and that will play out within the story. And we see kind of flashes of that early on, you know, before it kind of starts. So, yeah, there's things with Paul, they're on a boat, and we see that play out. You know, just Paul and David, when David turns up, that's all a bit, you know what I mean? Like, Otis's things on his mind. And then we, you know, we also find out that, yeah, Eddie's got shit on his mind, for sure. But yes, all of this is playing, and I think it's interesting, right? That the whole plot, the idea of the story, it is, it's an interesting idea. It does get muddy, though. Right, it gets muddy because you know Lee wants to talk about all of these different things, right? So injustice, he wants to talk about you know PTSD, 
right? That's a big part of this. Just the the way, you know, black people were forgotten, you know, about their contribution to that situation. That's a narrative that we definitely have at the very beginning of this film, right? And Paul is very vocal on these things as the film moves on, right? So, but we have all of these different things and it gets a bit, gets a bit much, right? Because it's the way in which I think Lee chooses to tell these, right? We get a, like Lindo, um, Derek Lindo plays Paul, right? We have him kind of breaking the fourth wall, right? And we've seen Lee do this in other films, right? Like Mo Money, Mo Blues. <sighs> like do the right thing, Jungle Fever. Just like, yeah, we, he's used this before. Like the person is kind of talking right at the camera. So it feels like he's they're talking right at the audience, right, right at the viewer, and it's interesting, and it can work, I think here, though, like, you, you, like, Paul's character kind of does this huge 180, right, which kind of is like, oh, taking everyone by surprise, but you kind of feel, right, that, his peoples would kind of know some of that. Now, he might not be completely vocal about everything that's been going on with him, but it's not really something you can completely bury, especially kind of to the extent that Paul seems to be affected by it. Now, obviously, everything is magnified coming back, but yeah, we we get this weird kind of shift, and so, you know, the way that shift is, it is a bit, I don't know, it felt a little OTT, just because, yeah, I just think, it's a long film, and, and the turn is real quick, and you kind of feel like, ah, would have been a bit more of a slower build, you know, I don't know, that's just my feeling on that, right, then the whole landmine thing, ha, you kind of straight away, you're just like, okay, that's gonna play into the film, right, you know, that meeting at the start, but, right, the way everyone is running around, there doesn't really seem to be be a lot of mindfulness on the fact that, yeah, there's landmines all over the place, do you know what I mean, that, that seems very, it seems odd, it seems an odd thing that no one really is, is paying any attention to that, right, and you're just like, hold on, like, you know, you were there, you know, that this place is riddled with them, so, yeah, that was an odd thing, 
And I think, right, the story is going on and we see people do certain things, right? We see these character shifts and these character developments. And there's things that happen and you think, ah, they didn't really have to go like that, right? There's, you, you understand that there's, you know, parts of the story, just craziness going on. But all it would take is a lean in and a word. You know what I mean? Lean in and a word. But that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. But then come... You know, towards the end, like, a lot of this stuff seems to get forgotten. And you're just like, huh? What? Like, that nearly just happened. But now, hmm. Okay. Alright. Fine, I guess. You know? Fine. Lee also wants to talk about, you know, the current situations in America, like, you know, Trump and all of that, and again, that, like, a lot of this stuff is very on the nose, right, very on the nose, you know, it's like, oh, they should just build the wall, and I'm wearing my red MAGA hat, and, uh, you know, like, all of this, like, you know, Stuff gets thrown out there, but with no real explanation, right? No real kind of context, and just left, right? Not touched on again. You know, as I, I, I just mentioned, right? The whole craziness on the boat, where we, you know, first see some of Paul's, you know, situation. That was a thing where you kind of felt, wait, why was that let to go that long? Because everyone's on the boat. Everyone can hear what's happening. They've got the guide. <laughs> you know what I mean? They've got their, uh, they've got their um, tour guide, Vin, right? So you think he would just go and say, hey, you know, bum, 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 there you go, but he doesn't, and we get this longish kind of sequence, where you're just thinking, huh, like, why, yo, like, other things, yo, I guess when David first meets, um, like, Simon and Seppo, like, it, it's just that whole, and also, we actually see it when he, you know, they're talking with Desroach as well, it, it straight away, it's like, ah, uh, yeah, you Americans, oh, and ba ba ba, and you elected in a reality TV star, and bum bum bum, and yeah, you do this, and bum, you know, or, you know, Paul's reaction to this, uh, this roach is like, we won the war, and blah, 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 and it's just like, ah, like, this is just, 
I don't know, it's just that basic shit that you hear, it's like, not everyone, straight out the gate, is gonna just be like, ah, you Americans, you just, like, not everyone says that, right, but it's the first thing, it's just predictable narratives to drive this thing, right, to drive the situation, to go, oh, yes, these two won't like each other, look, this is gonna breed dissension between these guys, and it's just a bit much, right, it's it's a bit much, because you just kind of feel, would that happen, and Also, like, in a negotiation, like, you do that? Mm, I don't think so, right? So, yeah, it it is, you know, although the story, the idea of this is interesting, just the kind of execution is kind of clunky, Right, so we we have them talking about you know people and stuff, and then we just get a flash to a still of that person, and you're just like ah, you know it's very disruptive. It's very just like ugh, you know, and and I think especially when we've seen Lee do it more elegantly, right? Like he's he's always kind of direct, so, you know, I would say that he's had more nuance on what he's saying in other films, and when I say nuance, I'm not saying he's being subtle, because, hey, Lee isn't subtle about, if he wants to say something, he says it, says it loud, and he says it proud, right, which is always the great thing, but, yeah, it's crafted a bit better, this wasn't, it just didn't feel as crafted, as structured, you know, as graceful as other Lee joints, right, that was the thing, you know, just, uh, also, like, the Otis, um, situation with Tian, I mean, straight away, you kind of figured where that was going, and it just seemed very, like, ah, like, some of this stuff, it just feels, like, tagged on, right, it doesn't seem to flow with the actual story, it's just like, oh, let's, let's also add this to it, oh, it'd be interesting if we add that to it, yeah, I don't know, I see a lot of people love it, which is great, you know what I mean, but yeah, these are just things I felt about the film, and also, the subtitles were terrible, they were, just because it's just white text on varying backgrounds, and sometimes those backgrounds are light, so it's like, ah, it's difficult to see them, just, yeah, not great, now, I realise not everyone's going to have that issue, but that was frustrating for me. The music, the music was good, 
I very much loved the the soundtrack and um, everything like that. So Terence Blanchard did a great job with the music. Though I will say, on the flashback scenes, we didn't need, <laughs> you know, we didn't need the mood music that was a constant. To tell us it's getting dramatic. Oh, this is full provoking. Like, yeah, they could have cut that shit for sure, right? Um, oh, we had some real nice scenes. You know, cinematography was great, and that was Newton Thomas Siegel. So yeah, that was all good. Um, like I think my last thing on the flashback scenes. Was a little bit odd because they didn't try to de-age or, you know, just maybe get younger versions to play the guys or anything like that. That was a little odd, you know. And just like, I guess the feel, like the feel of it, because you know, they're in the jungle, but they're not overly dirty and that kind of stuff. So, eh. but yeah. I, I, I'd say, you know, it, it's an interesting premise that does, like, it's very up and down. You know, the film itself is very up and down. Um, But, yeah, it is very long as well. I would say it is, yeah, it could have been shorter, right? It's a, how long is this? It's two and a half hours. Right? Yeah, it could have been shorter. <laughs> uh, but listen, it's on Netflix, so go check it out. Right? See what you think of it. A lot of people are saying this this is a must-see film for our times. Mm, I don't know about that. Yo? But it seems to be the trend thing to say because they said it about Black Klansmen as well. I mean, calm down, people. Calm the fuck down. But I will say, for something that will show a different perspective of the Vietnam War and how it affected black people, yeah, it's worth seeing just for that. All right? So, um, the new Spike Lee joint, The Five Bloods, it's on Netflix. There you go, people. There you go. Okay, so I have just watched Scare Package. So this is a new Shudder original. And, oh my days, it is something else for sure. Okay, so what we get here is it's a horror anthology, right? And it's, um, well... Let me repeat that, right? It's a meta-horror anthology with a lot of comedy thrown in, right? Um, Where each segment subverts a different set of horror tropes, all intertwined around the onboarding of a mystery new employee at a struggling genre video store. (laughs) Ha ha. And, um... Yeah, that video store is 
Rad Chad's Horror Emporium. Okay, so Chad Buckley, he's a horror aficionado and he's lonely. Chad spends his days at this struggling genre video store, acquire, arguing with his only regular customer, Sam. When an unexpected applicant shows up, Chad begins to teach him about the rules of horror and his video store at large, much to the chagrin of Sam. During Chad's onboarding process, we weave in and out of different hilarious horror shorts, each one geared at a different set of horror tropes. As this new applicant learns the ropes, he begins to suspect Chad of something sinister. But we quickly learn that may that he may have a secret of his own. Bum, bum, bum. So yeah, it's it's a great tool, right? It, it's, it's a great tool to do this. So we've got seven directors involved. Okay, so there's Emily Hagen, um, Noah Segan, Aaron B. Kuntz, Baron Vaughan, Chris McInery, uh, Courtney and Hilary Andajar, uh, Anthony Cousins, and they each, um, yeah, they each look after their own part. So there's seven segments, as you would suspect from seven directors. <laughs> so there is Cold Open, um, One Time in the Woods, Mister. Uh, segment, um, sorry, Girls' Night Out of Body, uh, The Night He Came Back Again, Part 4, The Final Kill, um, So Much To Do, and I think Horror Hypothesis and Chad's Horror um, Emporium. Like, it is so much fun, like, and it works really well, right, just to have the, um, yeah, the store as, as the kind of crux to the story, the framework, right, that it, yeah, that's a perfect little vehicle, and then the stories themselves, oh man, the stories themselves are great, like, cold open, as a beginner, cold open, hey, it, it's a perfect way to start, right? And it, you know, they really um, touch on those elements of horror, right? Those, those things that we always see, and you just think, huh, really, what? And the great thing, they they then just play on those points, and they do it in. A hilarious way it, it, it is, It's just So much fun it's, it's the perfect way to start Right So then we go to One Time in the Woods Now this one is Like it's funny It's amusing It's it's a little odd It's a little odd It might have been my least favourite of them all But it's not saying it's bad Right now segments um so mister 
Man, that is great. Uh, and it's like, um, Mr. is an acronym, right? And, oh, I really enjoyed, like, I really enjoyed this one, like, just because it takes several little twists. And I don't think you suspect, right? I, I don't think you suspect, like, the first one. Even though you think, alright, well, it might be a bit dodge, but you don't really suspect where it goes. And then the last one, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, Mister is very good. Uh, girls' night out of body. Oh, that's see, girls like like it becomes something that you really don't expect, right? When the first thing happens, you're like, okay, so we're gonna. But no, and then it turns into this, yeah, it, it, it's hilarious. As well, because it's, I think the tag that comes up for it is, um, uh, a feminist's, like, guide to horror or something like that. And, yeah, it, it's, it's very good. <laughs> yes, I, yeah, that one, I, yeah, was great. That one was re what that was one of my favorites for sure. The night he came back again. Oh, that that's hilarious. That, that really was hilarious. And yeah, kind of what it's like the creepy thing of that <laughs> wasn't wasn't what you suspect. You have to listen very carefully at the end. And you're just like. I mean that's the creepiest thing about all of this What you just said, no <laughs> Oh man um, Yeah, so much to do Hey, so much to do was kind of fun Right, I, I wasn't quite sure where it was going to go Right But yeah, it, it was fun It was a fun one Right and then the the last one that we have, right? Horror hypothesis. Horror hypothesis. Blah, 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 blah. Horror hype. Oh gosh. Horror hype. Pipe. Mm. With the last one, right? The last main segment. See, this is great because it kind of ties uh, most of the things together. Right, because everything has got a lot of them have got a slight little connection, right? Without it being um, this sprawling story, right? So there's all these, there's some minor connections that you kind of see, and the last segment really does kind of bring things in. And it, yeah, it it does it in a a very Fun, amusing, but smart way, right? And still poking fun of these just tropes that we see all the time. You know, just yeah, anyone that you can think of, final girl, just like all of that stuff, right? It plays on it. And then we also get a little nod. To the start, which was, oh, that was great. That was so, so enjoyable. Like, Dusty Rhodes, yeah, 
He, he, he does a good job in this one for sure. Now, there is a surprise amongst all of these shorts as well. Um, when I saw it, I was like, I think, okay, that's a surprise. But it was a little lost on me. <laughs> but I think uh, horror fans will be, yeah, they're gonna, I feel they will enjoy it. But even without that surprise, this is a great production. Right, it it just works on so many different levels. Right, just as a a fun piece of entertainment, it works. Right, as a um, you know, a microscope on the horror industry. Hey, it it does a fun job of playing with that. And we, yes, we've seen things that do it, you know, there's like scary movies, you know, which, eh, not so great. Scream was the better one, but that even in itself was a bit, mm, you know, I, the first one was the best out of them all. I think it, that's fair to say. But this, you know, this shines that light, this makes that fun. But it's in a smart way. It's in a... You know what I mean? They're like saying to you, look, we, we know. We're under joke. But we also love it regardless. You know? And, and I think that's the nice thing. It's not being patronising. It's just being playful. Right? And I think that helps you go with the flow and just enjoy it. And all the acting... Hey, all the acting works. Everyone involved just really plays their role well, right? Because there's the, the, the seriousness in places, but still with that little, you know, that wink, that wink at the audience to be like, look, I'm in on it. I get it. Yo, and then some people are a little over the top, but they're over the over the top fits within that role. You know? So yeah, it just works. I I just really enjoyed this. I don't know what else to say. This was great. You know? I think it's the third no, my fourth shutter thing that I've checked out. And yeah, they've all been they've all been pretty damn good. You know what I mean? So yeah, definitely not disappointed. Right? And it does, you know, so it does kind of go to that thing that Shudder is a place for horror. And um yeah, I don't think people are gonna be, you know, let down when they um go check it. So yes, people, I'd highly recommend that you go and Open up that scare package. <laughs> because, hey, it's a lot of fun. And the biggest thing, right? The biggest, most important thing here is entertaining. Right? It's entertaining. Because, look, well, there's plenty of things that try and be that, oh, look. We're, we're mocking our industry, but it's just not fun, 
it's just dull. This is entertaining. This is fun. And yeah, it's worth a look. It's 107 minutes long. So, hey, you know what I mean? Just like over an hour, just over an hour and a half, essentially. Right? So it's not a, a huge chunk of time. But yeah, at no point are you going to feel bored. Are you going to think it's dragging? So yeah, people. Go check out Scare Package. If you don't have Shudder, there is a a code and a link in the episode's description that will set you up with a month's free trial, okay? And I recommend that you go do that trial. You check out Scare Package. You check out um, Blood Quarantine. Check out Blood Machine. And... um, you take a look at uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street documentary. And then you can go wild on the back catalogue of everything else there. Alright? So, have fun, people. Have fun with your scare package. <laughs> Okay, people, so we are drawing to close on another episode, but let's have a look at what's happening in the film world, right? So there's been um, talk on a couple of potential sequels to uh, oldish films. Uh, you know, when I say oldish, I mean in the last 10 or so years, right? So, first up, right? There's talk of a, a Wedding Crashes sequel. Now, Wedding Crashes came out in 2005. Um, but David Dobkin has um, been out doing press for Eurovision. And he spoke to Collider and he had this to say. Ten years later, when I was asked again and I hung up the phone after saying no, I thought about it and I'm like, well, I'd be curious what it'd be like for guys in their late 40s who end up being single again and have to go back out in the world. What a weird, difficult, challenging story that is. And as long as there's a real story in the middle of it, to me, it can be a movie. I mean, to be honest, I wasn't feeling the original. But uh, if you were, there's that, people. Um, And Attack the Block, which came out in 2011... Right, so Joe Cornish was recently on the Script Apart podcast, and um, yeah, word came up about um, you know, a potential, and um, yeah, Cornish said, We've got ideas. I met with um, John Biorga a couple of months ago to talk about it. We've always had ideas since the first one, but obviously we've both been busy doing different things. In a weird way, kinda, the longer you leave it, the more interesting it is. So that's what I'll say. 
So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's been a while. I did like the original, though. Um, so Max Brooks. Now, he's the author of World War Z. And I think, what is it, the, the Beginner's Guide for Zombie Apocalypse, something like that. But he's got a new book coming out called Devolution. And um, I think it's based around Bigfoot. But um, the book's not quite out. I think it comes out at the end of this week. Um, but Legendary Entertainment has um, already picked up the rights to turn it into a film. So, uh, yeah, fans of, um, you know, Max Brooks, you got that potential to look forward to. So, supposedly, um, yeah, the story is set in a model eco-community town in the shadow of Mount Rainer. Um, that in the aftermath of a volcanic eruption... Is rampaged by a ferocious beast known as the Sasquatch. So, um, yeah. Okay, so Elijah Woods has got a new film um, coming out. He's going to be playing um, the FBI analyst uh, who interrogated Ted Bundy. Yeah. So the film is called No Man of God And it's supposedly set mainly in an interrogation room So Amber Seeley is directing the film And C. Robert Cahill wrote the script No word yet on who um, is going to be playing uh, Bundy Okay, so... um, Pete Davidson and Colin Joyst, they've got a new film out, well, coming out, it's going to be called Worst Man, Um, and the gist of the story is, it's going to be following a soon-to-be married couple and the family traumatics that ensue, ensue just weeks before the wedding, so, yes, um, Okay, so, interestingly enough, um, Kevin Wilmot, who, uh, you know, was a co-writer in this week's The Five Bloods, right, he is writing a screenplay um, about Arthur Ashe, yeah, now, um, Arthur Ashe, you know, he won Wimbledon, and he was the first African-American to win Wimbledon. He's also a civil rights activist. Um, yeah, and, you know, unfortunately, Ash is dead, but his estate is behind this film, right? So, um, yeah, if that's done right, that oh, I'd be interested to see that. Uh, what else have we got? Oh, this will be interesting to, um, you know, people looking to make films. So Netflix and Imagine Impact are uh, teaming up to develop original content from up-and-coming screenwriters. 
so they've got an open submission process right so um yeah i guess you you know get in touch with imagine impact they're gonna then identify potential you know potential scripts and uh, develop them into uh, film ideas so uh, yeah if you've got something that you think has potential hey get in touch with imagine impact people um also so Zigorny Weaver recently mentioned that um you know there was a new alien film script floating around by um oh gosh Walter Hill right and um so yeah he uh he has come and confirmed that fact right he said um Sigourney, as she is from the very beginning, is being too modest about her proven ability to pull off the idea, which is to tell a story that scares the pants off your day, kicks the ass of a new xenomorph, and conducts a meditation on both the universe of the alien franchise and the destiny of the character Lieutenant Elaine. Ripley So You know Who knows if this Will actually get made Because Ripley Scott Has also come out saying He wants to um, Make a follow up to Prometheus So uh, Yeah I don't know We will see right And finally So word has come That Denny Villeneuve's Jew is gonna go and do some additional shooting um, in uh, August. Now, supposedly, um, you know, nothing major. It's just a, you know, additional shots and footage. And um, yeah, the film is still on schedule to uh, come out on the 18th of December. So, um, you know, it's all go, it's all interesting, but people, that's us, we are done for this week, so, hey, enjoy your film watching, you know, you've got a a, a few things to pick from, right, Artemis Fowl, um, Scare Package, which is extremely good, and um, the fine bloods, amongst other things. So go watch some films, have some fun, and uh, yeah, we'll talk again next Thursday. All right, peace.